Welcome to Talking Thomism, the official podcast of the Center for Thomistic Studies at the University of St. Thomas, Houston. If you enjoy this talk and want to hear other talks like it, don't forget to subscribe. In this episode, we will hear Father Gregory Holum, Associate Professor of Philosophy at the Pontifical University of John Paul II in Krakow, present on the philosophical anthropology and ethics in the thought of Carol Votiwa. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you for inviting me to this prestigious university. Uh, in this paper, which I'd like to deliver here, basically I limit myself to Carol Wojtyla, namely to the man who worked out an interesting project of personalism back in Europe, in Poland, before his pontificate, namely before 1978. So I'm not going to touch on John Paul II, yeah, on um, his theological writings and insights. Uh, that's intentional uh, limitation, intentional uh, qualification, I assume, at the very beginning. Uh, because basically, I'm, as a philosopher, I'm interested in his philosophical thought, in his, especially the, in his philosophy of the human person. And now, uh, I'd like to uh, just, uh, through this paper, to establish what's the relationship between philosophical anthropology and ethics in his thought, which is uh, not so clear when you read his work. So let me just read this text prepared especially for this meeting. I've been working for the text for a couple of months, so uh, let me just stick to the text I have in front of me. As an introduction, I would like to say that in the philosophy of Karol Wojtyla, two branches stand out, namely philosophical anthropology and ethics. They were at the center of his interest, and he spent, spent a lot of energy and time trying to develop them. Thus, at the first glance, Wojtyla can be equally called anthropologists and ethicists. However, it's not certain which of these two philosophical branches played a major role in his philosophizing. Neither chronological nor qualitative factors help us to settle this inquiry. If we look at his first philosophical achievements, we realize that although Wojtyla started from ethics by analyzing Max Scheler's ideas, he entertained a vivid interest in who the human being is by deliver, delivering a series of lectures on the essence of man. Also, a number of works he produced in these philosophical <coughs> sub-disciplines are not instructive here. They comprise of many books and articles belonging to both of them with a certain prevalence for ethical works. Thus, two options seem possible at the outset of our investigation. He was either an ethicist looking for some support in anthropology, or he was a philosopher showing ethical consequences of his anthropological project. To solve the dilemma, namely, what's the main field of thought of the Polish thinker, and what is the relationship between philosophical anthropology and ethics in his thought, we need to get critically and attentively into intricate analysis which he carried out. By doing so, we are not only to clarify some methodological uncertainties, but more importantly, we can discover an important line of his philosophical reasoning, namely revealing his originality and ingenuity. 
We are going to employ two free approaches. Three approaches. First has to do with the epistemology of the person. Second is associated with the metaphysics of the person. And the third is typical for ethics. They are fully presented and unfolded in Wojtyla's work, and the closer examination can bring us to new clarifications concerning his philosophizing. To the person through his acts. The main work of Karl Wojtyla, namely Person and Act, was indeed was intended as a new approach aimed at discovering who the person is. Specifically, the Polish thinker wanted to use a phenomenological method as a tool enabling us to inquire into activities of the person and in this way to reach his structure of being. His intention was to start from personal phenomena and end up in the personal foundation. Wojtyla employed this method by assuming that we do not have a direct access to who the person is, namely we do not possess any special intuition enabling us to penetrate the person's interiority and his basic structure. We are compelled, in a sense, to start from what is given within the sphere of personal and intersubjective experiences and only later discover the personal being in itself. The former is constantly associated with the person's various activities and only they can open up for us avenues to a more advanced knowledge concerning the person. Thus Wojtyla pays a lot of attention to personal acts as belonging exclusively to the person. <coughs> he is convinced that, quote, the act is a particular moment of the vision that is the experience of the person, unquote. It possesses several important characteristics. Firstly, the act is a rational undertaking. Secondly, it's associated with intention and executed by the person's will. Thirdly, the act has its own perpetrator and belongs to him, including its consequences and associated with that responsibility. The thinker assumes that the act is not only an external objective product of the person, but the person is fully present in it. He analyzes that while developing the concept of causation. In relation to the act, the person keeps twofold reference, transcendent and immanent. On the one hand, he is a perpetrator of that act and thus, and thus someone who is above it and more than that. On the other hand, however, the person is in a sense immersed in the act. Wojtyla puts it this way, quote, the transcendence proper to the lived experience, I am the agent of the action, passes into the immanence of the lived experience of actions itself. When I act, I'm already holy in my action and this dynamization of my I to which I contribu contributed efficaciously." Unquote. For example, when the human being wants to investigate a new thing and it seems that is a job for sensual faculties only, because empirical qualities are to be established, in fact, something more is present and active here. Wojtyla clearly indicates that the person 
that the reason and awareness accompany the seemingly simple and reversed for senses undertaking. Thus, although senses seem to be delegated by the person to carry out a given inspection, and the person as such remains as a, at a kind of distance, the situation is indeed more complex. The person with his mental equipment is indeed present and active here. If the act, if the act is a privileged moment in viewing the person, mm -hmm. which is for Wojtyla synonymous with the experience of that person, then what role does the moral act play? Generally, the thinker subscribes to the idea that the experience of the person is complex and has various aspects. However, the moral experience has a special place here. He declares that, quote, the moral experience is contained within the experience of the human being and occupies in it a more or less central position, unquote. The reason for that is that what's moral touches on the axiolog axiological side of personhood and this has a lot to do with becoming and unfolding the person <coughs> as a value. We are going to concentrate on this particular topic further uh, in the article. Thus, experiencing the person morally supplies us not only with the knowledge about his dignity and uh, the value of personal decisions and the consequences, but more importantly, with the knowledge about the personal being as such, associated strictly with uniquely personal existence. Here is an interesting intersection between ethics and philosophical <coughs> anthropology. By inquiring into moral character of acts, we gain substantial knowledge about the person itself. Karl Wojtyla assumes that these two philosophical fields are inseparable. Moving along the line of traditional philosophy, namely Thomistic philosophy, he observes that, quote, the history of philosophy is the stage for the perennial meeting of anthropology and ethics, unquote. Hizewa, like many other philosophers of the past and of the present, that moral good and evil do occur only in personal acts and in this way they belong to the person. The moral act provides a cognitive access to the moral heart of the person, but at the same time it reveals the person as such. It is thus because, according to Wojtyla, the integral, integral experience of the person guarantees that what's ethical and anthropological are given simultaneously. Tadeusz Tyczeń, his main collaborator, his uh, faithful pupil, and other Wojtylian scholars, collaborators, shedding more light on that particular aspect, employ a Latin term, primum eticum et anthropologicum. Consequently, as they claim, every moral act of the person is a window to the world of the person. Because of methodological reasons, we cannot identify ethics with philosophical anthropology, and Wojtyla avoided such a scenario as well. Nevertheless, we cannot separate what they communicate on the ground of the integral experience of the person. They are intricately interwoven and complementary. And in what follows, we are going to elaborate further on, this, on their relationships. In this section, 
We should emphasize that the moral act can tell us a lot about the person himself. It is thus because undertaking morally good acts is difficult, arduous, and requires of the person a deep personal involvement. In a sense, almost all active powers and faculties should be activated here with great intensity. Carefully observing and analyzing such acts reveal a good part of truth about the person. Morality and becoming the person. It's good to present Wojtyla's selected statements concerning the relation between moral aspects of the human life and this life understood in its entirety. Such statements are scattered in almost all his works. We are going to focus only on those present in his main works. It seems that they will shed some light on the relation between ethics and anthropology, which is the main concern of this paper. In his booklet, Ethics Primer, Wojtyla undertakes some problems associated with morality and ethics. In one of the essays, he considers the influence of various goods on the existence of the human being. A special role is played here by moral goods. He argues in the following way, quote, some goods, for example, perfect his organism by augmenting his powers, while others perfect his intellect by broadening his knowledge. Among all these goods, only the moral good perfects the very humanity of man. Through the moral good, a man becomes simply a better man. He becomes better as man. He actualizes the potency slumbering within him to become a better man. Unquote. Thus, the moral good is not associated with a particular aspect of human life, but concerns its entirety. Consequently, an attempt to understand that good within ethical investigations <laughs> can lead us to the understanding of the dynamic of the human being on a very fundamental level. In other place, Wojtyla conducts analysis concerning the relation between religious ethics and humanism. He observes that the latter is very critical towards the former because, in opinion of some secular humanists, quote, religion destroys true and intrinsically human morality and religious ethics inhibits man's development from going in all possible directions, unquote. The Polish thinker treats this accusation seriously and from the Christian position analyzes the project of religious ethics wherein the concept of God uh, is the highest end of human life. He underlines that within this theological <laughs> approach an important role is played by love toward God and consequently toward fellow man. However, love, if we draw on its adequate and integral understanding, is an attitude which does not destroy what is, what is truly human and does not inhibit human fulfillment either. The opposite is indeed the case, and Wojtyla makes it quite clear. His reasoning goes in the following way, quote, is not man more himself precisely when the highest possibilities are actualized in him? Certainly not when they slumber and go to waste in him. Love is the actualization of man's highest possibilities. Unquote. Thus, to become 
fully human rests on cultivating this important attitude and consequently it can <coughs> constitute a common ground for both religious and secular inspired ethics. In person and act, Karol Wojtyła makes a number of important remarks concerning the relation between morality and the human being. Two of them deserve special attention. The Polish thinker was convinced that morality is something more than an aspect of the personal life. It has indeed a vital reference to the wholeness of the person, as it has been pointed out in previous works. He spells it out within a very important declaration, quote, morality is the reality that belongs to the reality of human acts as a specific theory of the subject. The deepest theory, most essentially connected with both his nature, that is his humanity, and the fact that he is a person." Unquote. The Latin term theory stands for becoming and concerns not coming to be in the first place, but the maturation of the person. This is of course a long process in which the latter is involved and actively <coughs> participates with his high powers and faculties, including getting to know goods, values, and acting on them. Consequently, for Wojtyła, morality is not a secondary reality, making part of various humans' accidents only, but it does shape the very substance of humanity. This essential role given to morality stems from the observation of Wojtyła concerning the very fundamental experience of the human being. He was convinced that, quote, the experience of morality as an integral component of man. Without this experience, it's not possible to build an adequate theory of person and act." Unquote. The Polish thinker was very sensitive as to the experience of the human being as a starting point for any further philosophizing. The better reception of that experience, the greater chance to formulate an adequate theory of the person. As a phenomenologist, I can also call him a phenomenologist, although he basically worked within the Thomistic framework. As a phenomenologist, Wojtyła paid careful attention to the source experience and was aware that nothing relevant, namely given within a genuine flow of experience, should be omitted or ignored. The moral experience makes an important part of that fundamental encounter with the reality of the human being that fact should be impartially acknowledged. Thus, ethics, which is concerned with the moral experience, remains in close association with philosophical anthropology, which is built on the basis of a broader reception of who the human being is, namely on the relevant experience. In his further writings, Wojtyła repeats and in a sense confirms this fundamental thesis that the moral experience is a part of the experience of being the person and occupies in it a central position. In his late and unfinished book, Man in the Field of Responsibility, the thinker tries to provide reasons for it. He starts with the assumption that the person constitutes good and value, and these are not secondarily added to his being, but are fundamentally inscribed into his structure. Such an assumption is voiced directly by Wojtyła when he maintains <laughs> that axiological categories, good-evil, 
are properties of the very being man. It's worth noting that this presupposition has long roots in classical philosophy, strictly connected with the medieval rule ens et bonum converturtur. But our thinking goes well beyond the traditional thesis. Karl Wojtyla used the term metaphysical reduction as a tool to explain morality in its reference to such fundamental categories as becoming and being. If through various acts, the person attains its fuller being and becomes more of who, she, who he should be, then metaphysics serves indeed as an important background in the understanding of human actions. This also applies to moral acts, but with an important qualification. Wojtyla wants to avoid a radical metaphysical re reduction, that is, to explain away dynamics of moral acts with metaphysical dynamics of being. As a personalist, he's aware that moral acts are typical for the person as a free and rational subject. Metaphysical structures and dynamism provide the substrate for moral acts only, but the latter are not determined by the former and cannot be entirely understood in the light of that. In other words, to act morally is not about letting general metaphysical dynamism to be actualized, but it demands an engagement of the free personal being. Thus, the existence of the latter is a just reason of all moral actions. Wojtyla claims that, quote, essential for the interpretation of morality is the reduction to the plane of man as being as one which is in a unique way and becomes in a unique way, unquote. As mentioned above, Karl Wojtyla for Karo Wojtyla, the person cannot be considered as a pure empirical entity only, because he is also good and value. Consequently, he should be considered in several dimensions, on the level of metaphysics, of anthropology, and of axiology. As to the latter, the thinker emphasizes that doing good and avoiding evil determines essentially the axiological side of personhood. Wojtyla declares, quote, I want to be good, I do not want to be evil. This is not only an ordinary intentional act of will, but it is the very reason for being the person in the axiological order." Unquote. Thus the person cannot become fully himself without ordered moral actions. The more the just moral orientation is thought over and incorporated into the personality of an individual, the more he can actualize his potentialities and form his personal uniqueness. The latter is potentially given to the person, but its actualization depends, to a great extent, on conscious, free, and moral acts. The person on the way to, the person on the way of self-fulfillment. Karl Wojtyla employed the phenomenological method aimed at unfolding the reality of the person through his acts and activities. In a sense, he was primarily concerned with the epistemology of the person. Stra starting from a rich experience of the person, he wanted to reveal his very basic structures as far as possible for systematic philosophical investigations. Of course, the latter have their limitations and consequently we are far from a complete knowledge on the person. 
he always remains a reality to be discovered and in fact is shrouded in a kind of mystery. Consequently, the epistemology does not reveal the whole truth about the person and the following metaphysical inquiry provides us with a sketch of his framework, which subsequently can be deepened and advanced. Nevertheless, the former is necessary for the latter, what's more should lead us to it in the end. We need to know who indeed the person in himself is, and not only how is given in the plane of various phenomena. Thus Wojtyła sketches such a metaphysical structure and its ex examination brings with it some help as to the understanding of the relation between ethics and anthropology. The Polish thinker is convinced that the person cannot be reduced to a set of active phenomena because he is not a constellation nor a flow of activities only. The person is multidimensional in the sense that there is also a foundation of those acts, experiences and various occurrences. He distinguishes two subjects in the constitution of the person, a metaphysical subject of being and action, called suppositum, and the personal subject. Both are deeply independent, interdependent and interconnected. In the logical order, suppositum comes to be as a foundational subject and it contains all potentialities typical for a given person. However, to become fully the person, something more is essential, namely various personal experiences, including consciousness. In his main treatise, Wojtyła argues as follows, quote, if this being, a real individual object in its fundamental ontic structure, <coughs> corresponds to what in traditional philosophy was called suppositum, then, without consciousness, this suppositum could in no way be constituted as an I." Unquote. The latter is a synonym of the personal subject. It has a dynamic character, which on the one hand is anchored in the metaphysical subject, but on the other is the open structure which comes to being in the course of human life. Experience is a fundamental medium for this coming to being. The world of human experience is very vast. It starts from basic bodily experiences of pain and pleasure, but goes well through psychic experiences of various kinds, and in the end includes many higher mental and spiritual ones. The former are usually simple and one-dimensional. The latter are generally complex and multi-dimensional. Wojtyła, who, who was characterized by a deep humanistic sensitivity, and as a scholar mastered a good deal of the 20th century <coughs> phenomenology, was fully aware of the vastness and depth of human experiences. At the same time, he knew that there is a hierarchy of those experiences, and in a sense, they have various contributions to the full flourishing of personhood. Bodily and simple ones are important, but they do not have any vital influence on the person's uniqueness and unrepeatability. More complex and deeper experiences play particular roles here. It seems that when we deal with the moral experience is a part of the latter. Morality, consciously formed and cared for, makes part of the second nature of the person. 
when we take into account, for example, virtues, we realize that they should be considered as fundamental moral attitudes that influence the life of the individual to a great extent. Thanks to them, the person is not only always disposed to act properly morally, but he gains his unique specificity. The latter cause for some explanation because it seems prima facie that this or that virtue is the same in every person. For example, everyone who possesses the virtue of justice exercises it in a similar manner because justice in similar situations is the same, despite its perpetrator. Although we cannot deny that objective side of the virtue, there are further subjective factors that make it more personal. When we look at how virtues are acquired and exercised from a personal perspective, we realize that everyone operates in his own specific way. To form a fundamental moral attitude, we need to experience and recognize an adequate underlying good and value. Every person does that in his, un in his unique life situations, and although the final result is similar in many individuals, what has led to it is always very personal. It works analogously in the realm of application of the virtue. In every situation, the person must recognize first what kind of good is to be cherished and how the person can protect it, taking into account his specific personal abilities and possibilities, including a given virtue attitude. This means that the person has to undertake an effort to recognize a specific moral situation and tailor himself to it, namely to discern how to apply virtue possessed to the specific moral requirement. Thus, his response is not mechanical, but demands a deep personal involvement. Consequently, the ways leading to acquisition and exercising the virtue will result in a specific further formation of the person as far as his interiority is concerned. The formation of the person or his further maturation is also widely analyzed by Karl Wojtyla when he considers two essential tendencies of the person, namely intentionality and self-determination. The former is typical of the will, also of knowledge and self-knowledge. Let me remind you that Wojtyla denied that uh, consciousness is intentional. It was a huge departure from, I would say, uh, uh, from Edmund Husserl and from his school. So, but definitely he subscribes to the view that will, knowledge and self-knowledge are intentional. The will directs itself to various objects which present themselves as goods and values. Without the intentionality of the will, moral action is impossible, despite the fact whatever that the object of this relation is, internal or external. However, the person, before directing his will to those objects, influences himself. <clears throat> the person is a primer object of himself, which results in a self-formation, or to be precise, in self-determination. Karol Wojtyla puts it this way, quote, the lived experience, I will, contains self-determination, not only intentionality. Orienting oneself toward any external object as a value and as an end presupposes fundamental orientation toward one's all I as an object. 
unquote. The effects of the latter, Wojtyla calls the intransitive effects of the person's action, which precede the former, namely the transitive ones. The moral acts which highly engage the person can render transitive effects, which are usually his main objectives, but even without them, they cause intransitive ones, resulting in modification of personhood, either good, when acts are morally correct, or bad, when acts are dubious or clearly morally wrong. Let me present some conclusions. The relation between philosophical anthropology and ethics is quite complex. In the contemporary culture and philosophy, at least two trends stand out. One concentrates on the theory of the human being, but it's not equally interested in the general theory of morality. The latter is relegated to a private sphere and this often results in a moral subjectivism and relativism. The other trend puts ethics before metaphysics and anthropology by arguing that we know what's moral before we gain an advanced knowledge about the person. Such a position is held by, for example, by Emmanuel Levinas. The first trend from the Voitilian standpoint leads to a ruin of ethics and in the end results in an attenuated dynamic of the person in his entirety. For example, moral acts can be then confused with subjective whims and even sensual drives. The second trend can have two further versions. Either that we do not need anthropology in ethical investigations at all, or that moral experience is discovered in its own way. That's why ethics has its own independent starting point. Karl Wojtyla would share the latter version partly, namely he would agree that the experience that underpins ethics is genuine and has a character of source experience. However, it is not a solitary and isolated occurrence. As we have mentioned thus far, the moral experience makes part of the broader experience of the person. Hence, to elaborate well on the moral experience and formulate matured moral norms, we need to take into account the broader context of experience as well as good understanding of who the person is. For example, what his fundamental aims are, what his self-fulfillment is all about. And these elements are parts of metaphysics and anthropology. Ethics is fueled not only by experience, but also by knowledge and understanding, including this essential one concerning the anthropological knowledge and discernment. For example, we can experience the special value of the person, namely his dignity, in a spontaneous and genuine way. But to know how to respect it, how to act on it, we need to analyze the whole structure of personhood and establish what acts work for his real goodness, well-being and fulfillment. To make a final point to this article, it must be stated that in the whole project by Wojtyla, anthropology plays a vital role and it seems that it clearly goes before ethics, at least in the logical order. Ethics is the important manner of determining how the person attained, attains its fullness on the dynamic level namely on the level of personal subject. In a sense, it describes the maturation of the person who is constantly confronted with good and evil 
and deals with making proper, proper choices. Nevertheless, the person as such is always in the at the center of attention. Thus, although we cannot deny that Karl Wojtyla was involved in ethics and created an interesting project of the personalist ethics, the fact is that he was preeminently the philosopher of the human person. Thank you. If you enjoyed this talk and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to Talking Thomism. Thanks for listening. Talking Thomism is a production of the Center for Thomistic Studies at the University of St. Thomas, Houston. The Center for Thomistic Studies is the only graduate program in the United States uniquely dedicated to the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas. To find out more, please visit us at www.stthom.edu. Dot edu slash cts.